Father God, you are so good. You are a good, good God. You are so good. And we thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for freedom of worship. We thank you, Jesus, for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you, Father, because it is your grace that allows us to stand here today, Father. And as we've enjoyed worshiping you, Father, we enjoy your presence. We enjoy each other's company, but we enjoy knowing, Lord, that you are here and that you are smiling for the worship that this body has given to you. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray, Father God, that as I've prepared to share this word, I want to preach it, Father God, with excellence in obedience to what you have placed in my heart to bring to Skyland today. And Father, I just pray that you take my place, Holy Spirit, and that you speak to our hearts today and that you will meet our needs according to your word. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How are we doing, Skyland? Wasn't that some great music? Amen. Give it up, man. I mean, I'm telling you, that was some great music. I mean, we had music in the heavenly language, Spanish. What, what, what's so funny? Before I go into the message, I want to share a good report. Y'all like good reports, right? I was going to email it, but I wanted to save it for today. I'm sneaky that way sometimes. First of all, I want to thank everybody that has been praying for my dad and the fact that every single time I see one of you guys and you ask, how is your father? I get text messages, how is your father? That, to me, is just the greatest thing to know that we are part of a powerful praying church that takes prayer seriously and that we pray believing that the hand of God will do the work. So I called my, my father's surgeon. and My dad has to be going. He, he finishes radiation and chemo, and now he's going through his uh, follow-up appointments. And um, I contacted the doctor via email and asked him about, you know, certain medications that dad has to be using so we can give it to the right, you know, do the right, follow the right instructions, rather. And the doctor wrote to me back, and he says, he says, Pastor, I got to tell you, I like what I'm seeing. He says, Pastor, I got to tell you, from the last time I saw your father to today, I'm seeing some improvement. So praise Jesus for that. Amen? Give the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, man. If y'all don't know me by now, I'm a party animal. I like, you know, I like the loudness. I like the applause. Is everybody ready to listen to God's word today? To listen to the message of the word of the, of the Lord? And I want to read a letter that Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. It's in the fourth chapter, and I'm going to go from verse 17 to verse 24. And um, of course, it'll be in the, on the screen. 
and uh, it'll be in, in both Spanish and English so our Latino congregation can follow along as we read. The Word of God reads like this. It says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in theme in them, I'm sorry, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life. You learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created by the like, but to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of God for you. Father, thank you, God, for your word, and I pray, Father, that it speaks to our hearts today. Father, and and as I stated earlier, Father, let your Holy Spirit speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as I was reading this letter uh, of Paul, I was being reminded of my life story because, you know, Paul is actually telling the church of Ephesus, and he's saying, listen, you know, from now on, you will not act, and he compares this to the Gentiles. He says, do not act like them, but rather, in other words, but rather let your mind be Christ-like, let your walk be like Jesus, let the way you speak be words of Christ. Do not, do not by any means act like the Gentiles. So, in the passage, he is speaking a word to the church of Ephesus, a word of encouragement, but also a word that confronts, that confronts the Ephesus church on how to be one-centered, one, one mind-like, and it can't be both ways. You're either in Christ or not. There is no, there's, it's either black or it's white. There is no gray area. Either you're in or you're out. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. You can't be a Christian on Sundays and be a Gentile on Mondays. You know, you, you are repre- we are representing Christ every single step of the way. And this was what Paul was sharing to the church of Ephesus. Now, he's reminding them of the way they should conduct themselves. How should they live as followers of Jesus? And I love it. He uses the word, he compares it to the Gentiles, and we all know that when, we, when, when the Bible talks about the Gentiles, it refers to those who are not of Jewish descent, but it's also used to categorize a group of people who have rejected Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I know of many people that, that were fired up for Jesus, and all of a sudden, 
they turn their backs on God. That doesn't even make sense to me. You know, it's like they, they get their feelings hurt at church, and they think that this is God's fault, so they decide to go to the extreme and turn their backs on God as if they can slap God in the wrist and say, you didn't do it for me, so you don't have me back. You know, when we have these type of attitudes, the only losing party is one, not God. So Paul is saying to, to, to the church of Ephesus, listen, by no means, by no means do you do that same thing that the Gentiles are doing. So Paul is telling the Ephesus church not to be like those who reject Christ and walk in the ways of the world. And when I read all this, I start thinking to myself, and I say to myself, self, all right, it's on now. 2018 is coming to an end. This is the last service of the year. Now, I shared with some of you in personal conversations the fact that we have had a great year. I personally had a great, awesome 2018. I'm still married. Praise Jesus. So somebody, just somebody give Angie a trophy. I have the most wonderful kids. I mean, what more can I ask for? I serve in the greatest church in Atlanta. Let me say it again. I serve in the greatest church of Atlanta. Yeah. And not only that, we're live streaming this service, so a lot of people around the world are going to be listening to God's Word. Amen? So there's going to be a lot of life changes going on today. So as I was sharing that 2018 has been a great, great year, God opened many doors for me. In my personal life, He has opened great doors in, for our families, and He's opened great doors in ministry as well. I mean, I came back to being a youth minister, I mean, out of all things. A youth minister, after 23 years, I learned that I was rusty, but I still got it. I still got it. So every year, as, the year, as I was thinking about all the great things that happened in 2018, how God really pampered us after a tragical closing of 2017, how God took all this and allowed us to just to just ooze through 2018. And God is so good. And when I start thinking of these things, every year, every year, you know, we, we close the year, and then coming to a new year, we start thinking about the New Year's resolution. Everybody starts talking about, yo, what's your resolution for 2019? What's your resolution for 2019? And, and when we talk about resolutions, we're talking about setting up goals or multiple goals that we feel we need to make better for ourselves than the year that just passed. Now, you'll never hear from me, I am going to up my dosage of broccoli or anything like that. I'm sorry, Barbara, I love you, but it's on recall. Hashtag team cake. So some of these goals that we tend to make are actually personal goals, selfish goals, the famous diet 
the famous, I'm going to hit the gym this year, the famous, I'm going to starve to death, and I'm going to lose some weight. All these things that it, I guarantee you that if I make these goals and I make it about me, I can assure you by January 15th, it is all forgotten. I'm going to still be doing the same things I did 2018. I am going to, um, I'm going to up my dosage of M&Ms and, and away we go. So we start setting up these goals. We set up goals for our families. We set up goals like I am going to do better in my relationship with my parents. We set up goals as I am going to, to make it better for A, B, C, and D. Whatever the case may be, we set up these goals, and it comes more on the beginning of a new year. But what about resolution that brings glory to God? What about resolutions that brings honor to God? What about setting up goals, for example? For example, I know that we got a lot of fired up Christians here, so this might not apply to you because you're already doing this, but I'm going to say it anyway. All right. What about setting up goals to say, this year I'm going to go deeper into the Word of God in my personal life? How about saying stuff like, like I am going to get into God's Word not only as an individual, but also as a family unit where every day we're going to have a 10-minute time of devotion. Shut off Facebook. Shut off Netflix. Open up the Bible or turn on the Bible, whatever the case may be, and have some time with the Lord. What about resolutions in setting up time to instead of filling up each other's ears with the drama, how about sharing with us, how did you see God's hand in the midst of the drama? How did we see God's hand in the midst of all of this? And let me tell you, we, we all do drama. I'm guilty as charged. I am so dramatic. I'm saying I am so dramatic, sometimes I catch myself in a pity party, then I have to stop it. I have to stop myself. Angie will agree. But what about if I set up a goal and say, you know, from now on, I'm not going to lock myself in Eleanor's office and eat her chocolate, filling her up with... Sometimes I make up drama just for the chocolate, but how about if I just stop having a pity party and stop nagging about life itself. How about if I see God's hand working in the midst of the negativity? That I can ask my children when they come up to me with issues of what happened at work or at school, that I can ask the question, where did you, God, where did you see God's hand in all of this? And teach them to be more focused on God's purpose rather than my own personal pity party. If our goal is about me, if my goal is selfish, it's not going to last long. But if my goal and my resolution is to do whatever I do for the glory and the honor of God, and there's a better chance 
there is a better chance. If I say I want to lose weight, that I can say I want to lose weight because this is the body of Christ and I need to take care of it. I'll be making notes and, and hit me with the M&Ms after I say this. It's an example. What about if I'm saying something like, I want to pray more and I want to study God's Word because I want to get closer to the Lord. So that way, when people see me, they see Jesus in me. I don't have to prove myself. They will see something different and they will see something special. What about if I say, I'm going to fast more to strengthen my spirit and to have a clearer visual of God's purpose in my life. See, whatever the case may be, whatever goals we set up in life, God has to be in the front of it. God has to be the center of it. I'm going to give you a confession. I'm going to share a confession. Can I share a confession? Y'all love it when I share a confession. I'm going to confess something to you. One of my goals, one of my goals, my yearly goal, is to be a better husband. One of my greatest goals also is to be a better father. One of my greatest goals is to be a better witness, a better servant. Those are my yearly goals. I've always told my kids the following statement. As they were growing up, I would tell my daughters, and I say, I pray to God that the man you fall in love with is as good or a better man than your father. That's my goal. That's my prayer. And for my son... I say, when you fall in love, I want you to be as good or as a better man than your father. I always tell my children, and I say, the best way I'm going to show you how much I love you is showing you how much I love your mother. And my wife knows, and she, said, and she knows that I will say, and the best way I'm going to show you how much I love you is to be the greatest father for your children. That's it. Now, I cannot give what I don't have. If the love of God is not in me, I cannot give it forward. Because the Bible says that God is love. It's, it doesn't say God gives you love. It, the Bible says God is love. That means that I want to operate under God's nature and God will never operate against his nature. Everything that God allows in our lives that we see as our drama, there's a purpose because God is a God of purpose. God is a God of goals, and he has set up your goal because once I close my agenda and I open myself to the agenda of God, and I'll say, God, here is the plan that I feel you're giving to me, and if there is a change, I'll go with the change. 
That's my goal. I come from a big family, folks. I've shared this with you many times. It was a custom in, in back home in Puerto Rico, around these times of Christmas and New Year's and stuff, that our family gathers together and we have one big feast. My, my family owns, it's a, it's, it's a land with four, four lots, it's like four acres, and it's divided into four lots. Three of the lots, there's houses built where two of my uncles live and my grandfather lives at the very end, and there's one that was empty, empty, always conditioned, always taken care of, and that was the place where we held our parties. So there was a long table because, you know what, it's about the food. There was a long table. My grandmother and my aunts and my mother, they're cooking up a feast. We're getting everything ready. Once we get there and we start, you know, families coming from all over the place, every year we have time of fellowship, but we would also whip out our instruments and we would start singing. Now, mind you, not every family member of mine are active Christians, but they join in and sing the songs. They know them. They join in to grab an instrument and to play because they do it out of fun. There's a seed in there. So we come and we start playing and we start having a blast and, and, and having a great time. The neighbors, they listen. They join in the party. And I'm talking about New Year's Eve. They join in the party. We have a land full of family members and neighborhood people and they come together, and they don't know these songs, but they are singing along. They are playing along because it's something beautiful that they listen to, and they want to be a part of it. The neat thing about this is that 15 minutes prior to midnight, my grandfather, and he still does it till this day, he's 87 years old, he calls a gathering, and we do a circle. Now, let me tell you, it's a big circle. And Grandpa always, always brings a message of hope for the closing year. And he prays always that in the new year that Christ will be the center of those that don't serve him. And Grandpa always, always brings a message of, and he always says this, if we wake up tomorrow, that means that God is not done with us and another opportunity arises but if we don't wake up on earth, it is my prayer that we all wake up in our, eternal, in, the, in our eternal home back in heaven. But then he says, but the only way you can get there is that if you have Christ. That's the only way. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Nobody will go to the Father but by Christ. And he always gives that opportunity. He always gives that opportunity. And I want to close, and I want to close this with these thoughts. And in continuing with the story, as, grand, as my grandfather always brought this to the attention of the neighborhood and of the families, I have learned to do the same thing. I have been in Georgia for 17 years, 17 years, almost 18. And till this day, till this day, we carry that same tradition. 
that on New Year's Eve, whoever is gathered, we will close out with a prayer to start it out with a prayer. It starts with God and it ends with God. He is the Alpha, He is the Omega, He is the beginning, and He is the end. What is your resolution for 2019? What is your goal for 2019? What would be the thing that you want to give to God today and say, God, whatever my goal is, whatever my resolution is, I pray that you'll be the center of it. My goal, my encouragement for it to be your resolution is to be more like Jesus, to be more like Christ. That is it. It's all about connecting with Christ. And the more we are connected with Christ, the more we can connect others that are disconnected with Christ. I can't give something I don't have. I can invite people to church, and I've tried every method, but what's going to speak to them the most will be our actions, more than our words. I am proud of being the associate pastor of Skyland United Methodist Church. And I say this with all the sincerity in my heart. I am proud of this body of believers. I love it when I read in so, on social media comments such as, I was in the parking lot and I was depressed and somebody from the church came and prayed over me. I'm proud of the fact that when I walk out these doors, I see people praying for the security people from across the street. The fact that we will not miss one opportunity to pray over somebody, that's all we're called to do, to love on them, to pray over them. These are family people. These are people in greater needs than probably the ones that we have right now. Because I might be struggling with a lot of things, but I have Jesus. That means that I have everything. And there is nothing worse in the world than the sense of hopelessness. The only hope is in Jesus. Now, I don't know what you might be facing right now, or maybe you know somebody that this message can be a blessing to them as well. Or God is speaking something in your life today. In just a few minutes, the altar is going to be open for you to come forward and to pray. Now, the way that we do it here at Skyland is, if you want to pray, have a one-on-one -on -one with God, and you say, God, you know, I open my heart to you, and you know, that 2019 will be a year of blessings. Or that in the midst of the struggles, 
I can see your hand. And you want to have this one-on-one -on -one with God? So I invite you to come to this section of the altar between these two reserved signs. You will be left alone, but you'll have the, a moment with the Holy Spirit. For the rest of the area, we have the greatest prayer team in Atlanta. And we will pray for you, whatever the need may be. Either you're struggling with health, I serve a God that heals. Whether you're struggling financially, I serve a God that provides. Whether it is that you're feeling empty inside, I serve a Holy Spirit that will fill that void. Whether you feel that life makes no sense, I serve a God of purpose. Whatever it is that you're feeling, God will always have an answer for your question. Let us pray. Father, I pray for the men and women in this room, in this place. I pray, Father, that your word has convicted the hearts of the church today. Father, I pray an act of grace. And I pray, Father God, that as we get ready to welcome a new year, Lord, that the goals that have set before us will be goals given by you. Jesus, thank you so much because even in the midst of struggles, you teach us, Father, that even in the midst of struggles, even in the storms, you bring peace. You teach us, Lord, that if we focus on you, you will allow us to walk on water. You have taught us, Lord, that you will never leave us and that you will never forsake us. And many times we have to be reminded, Lord, that when we feel the absence is because we are being tested because your word is true. Lord Jesus, I pray, Father God, that this new year will be the year of purpose for Skyland United Methodist Church. Thank you, Father, for the staff of this church, for every volunteer in this place, and for the future of the body of Christ. And Father, as we come to the altar today, I pray, Father, that your anointing will be in this place continuously. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The altar is open. Feel free to come and pray.